Welcome to Productive Ministry. This is episode number nine, Joy. Today I wanted to talk to Tim and just have a conversation about what it means to have joy in ministry. How are you doing, Tim? Hello. <laughs> are you ready for this conversation? <laughs> as, as ready as I'm going to be. Perfect. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about reflecting over past ministries and and what are some of the great things that happened in ministry and what are some of the bad things that have happened in ministry. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I came across this quote by Dallas Willard, and it says, when pastors don't have rich spiritual lives with Christ, they become victimized by other models of success, models conveyed to them by their training, by their experience in the church, or just by our culture. I mean, Dallas Willard is just, I mean, he hits the nail on the head here. Right. I, 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 honestly, I, ever since you, you know, communicated with me, obviously it's no, should be no secret to anybody since I produce the podcast normally mm-hmm. that you and I talk about upcoming episodes and you proposed this to me. So I've been thinking about joy in ministry ever since then. And uh, this quote here describes accurately a lot of my experience in ministry. Right. <laughs> so. right. I think that those are the things that can really take joy away from ministry. When I think about this quote and I think about the question you just asked me, one of the things I think about is how in ministry it is so difficult to point your compass at, um, at what is an, you know, a good goal, right? You know, the, the, that everybody in the ministry is struggling to determine what should my metric for success be or my metrics for success because there are obviously going to be multiple things. And you and Rob Cox in the last episode uh, talked a lot about how when you're doing marketing for a church, um, you know, there's going to be KPIs, which is a business term, key performance indicators about, you know, how well is the, the church doing or is the campaign going or what have you. And in business, of course, it's always like, what are the, the key metrics to how successful the business is doing in whatever endeavor it's attempting. And those things are like attendance and finances and, you know, whatever the, those things make so much sense, especially because like they are so analogous to the business world. Right. Yet the reality for the church is that those indicators, those performance indicators uh, in many ways are like modern constructs. You know, because when we think about the life of the church, there are huge periods of the church where Christianity is the culture. You know, I don't think there were a lot of in the you know 1300s, a lot of uh, ministers or, or priests, I should say, in the like, you know, European countryside considering like, mm, is our attendance up or down? Right. Uh, oh, St. John of the Cross. Wondering going, how many people are liking his his crossiness, his crucifixion. I don't know. Right, yeah. right. You know, yeah. well, in the, I mean, in St. John of the Cross is a good example. Like when we start talking about like, say, monastic life, those who practice asceticism, like they weren't being like, how difficult have I made my life or whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's like there is an extent to which the idea of goals and success in ministry is something that has come about in the modern post industrial revolution age where we keep track of those kinds of things in ways that the church 
didn't do that, especially when you start considering like like the first century church, like their KPI was like, how many people are we converting to Christianity? And uh, how, how well are we taking care of orphans and widows in our community? There is an extent to which like, well, I mean, we kind of still ask those questions today, but in a totally different kind of context and in a totally different kind of mindset. You know, what happens when you start thinking about in our modern age in the church, we have those, those KPIs and and all of these things that that suddenly are requirements for ministries. So so much so that that you and I felt like probably create a podcast in order to equip people. But the reality is, I don't know a single pastor who said, "Wow, I'm really good at marketing," or "I'm I'm really great at business. I should be a preacher." Exactly. <laughs> Those are the things that are keeping us up at night. I feel like it's it's often the bait and switch of ministry. When I was 18 years old and I was attending Sam Houston State University for graphic design and advertising and and I'm exploring those avenues, I decide at some point what I what I think I really would like to do is like study the Bible and teach people and I was leading a small group and and so I started thinking about maybe I should transfer to, you know, to, for me it was Dallas Christian College where that was the the religious institution I had a relationship with but I'm thinking maybe I should uh, transfer and, and think about ministry. And the whole concept of that was what I'm going to do is go and my days are going to be filled with biblical study and pastoral mm -hmm. care and teaching. Right. And the honest truth is for every minute I have spent doing that, I have probably spent at least an equal minute, if not more, marketing, um, creating graphics, building websites, you know, like yeah. the amount of time that the, I mean, thank goodness I took like a, a year of school studying those things for it because those things have become immensely useful to me as oh, a, yeah. as a, you know, ministry leader when I've, you know, had to be responsible for leading a ministry. It's, <laughs> oh, mm. at times to, to the extent at which I feel like there's so much website that has to get done that I don't have time <laughs> for like sermon yeah. prep or what have you. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, that's the absolute truth. There are so many times where I had to look myself in the mirror and say, I am not event coordinator on the Lido deck. I am a pastor and I have to I have to make the choice to not have the greatest uh, administration or have the greatest website or have the greatest events always. But I have to I'm looking for opportunities to create interaction with students. Right. And it was this it's I mean, it's always been this constant struggle. And there are times where. If you're not being intentional about it, if you're not thinking about it, you just you just slip into into that hole and then you wake up one day and you're like, I'm miserable. I hate this so much. <laughs> yes. You know? And part of that's the pressure of you realize that there are all these things that conceivably will enhance the effectiveness of your ministry. And then you feel the pressure to become a master in those things. Oh, yeah. But in the pursuit of all of that, you know, you do, you wake up one day and you realize, I don't know that I'm enjoying what I do every day. Let me ask you the question. Why did this topic like come on your radar? <laughs> Can I ask you that? Yeah. I mean, okay. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. Okay. I was reading my Bible as I do sometimes. And I came across this verse. This is, this is, how it all played out for me. So what you're and saying it, is, is that regular biblical reading is like the crux of your problem. Yeah. yeah this is where, I mean, it gets me every time to gets me <laughs> every time. 
And so, you know, we've read the book of Deuteronomy 780 million times. But in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 47 through 48, it says this. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart, because of the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and lacking everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. Now, I recognize, all right, so just in your comments, I know what exegesis is. I know what good exegesis is. But I also recognize <laughs> that the Lord has the right to use Scripture to speak to my heart. And when it says, you did not serve the Lord with joyfulness and gladness, up until I had read that, in that moment, it never even occurred to me as a pastor, or as someone who's serving the Lord, that that should be a goal or even that that was an expectation. And I started thinking about all my friends in ministry. And here's what it boils down to. Sometimes, no, I'm just I'm going to be more bold. Pastors have created a culture of complaint where we get together and we whine about all of the terrible things that are happening in our ministries or happening in our lives. And we succumb to that. And it's like this inside joke where we talk about how difficult these things are. And I, for the first time ever, I asked myself the question, does that offend the Lord? And that's how all this started. <laughs> now everyone understands why I've had such a difficult time thinking about it since our initial conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a rough year for my ministry friends. Can I just say that? And, you know, as we've been doing this podcast and I've been talking to more people who are serving in ministry, you know, I'm talking to people who aren't ministers and they're, they're talking to me about their pastors and they're telling me things like, well, sometimes he's snappy or, you know, he just seems so stressed all the time or they call me and they're like, I'm just stressed all the time. And, or they're just struggling with all of these things that are, that are going on. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is the scripture. And I, and I, and I just wondered how much of this is, can boil back down to, we're not serving the Lord with joy. Mm -hmm. You know, I started doing research and I came across the Dallas Willard quote and I started meditating on some things and you know, I meditate on scripture, but I also like think about the things that are happening in my friends' lives. Mm -hmm. And I think about their ministry struggles and their stories and people who have left ministry over the years. And all of those things are, are kind of stored up in my heart right now. And I've come to some conclusions. When I think about ministers who are caught in, caught in sin, or even when I think about anyone who's caught in sin, one of the things that I've, I've realized through all of this is that when we are unsatisfied, in life, when we lack joy in life, um, it's that action that makes sin look acceptable. Like when you're miserable, you can justify any amount of anger. You can justify any amount of addiction. You can justify uh, treating your spouse badly. You can justify talking trash about the church whom God died for. Yeah, you can... I, you know. I find that, you know, that's really interesting, too, because I think that, like, that that's so true in the way that we can also, like, use that as, like, my my sinful actions are going to be retributive of, you know, my bad having been treated poorly or what have you or my oh, yeah. disgruntled state. And mm -hmm. that's like, I'm I'm going to do this thing and I'm doing it as punishment yeah. because of how, because I'm unhappy for whatever reason. I recognized also that because of that, I guess the next natural progression for me is, you know, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And mm -hmm. if, if lack of joy causes sin, then it makes sense that God would say that. 
But until recently, I'd never even considered that. Hmm. What else is, um, what else do you think like the lack of joy affects ministry? Do you think it's, I mean, obviously like leading us into sin. Well, I think that, I think that that lack of joy is what, what causes burnout. Yeah. I don't, I know. I think that that lack of joy is what, uh, a lack of joy in a church is what causes people to yell about carpet or music because they're looking for uh, something something other than Christ to satisfy them, mm-hmm. or they remember that there was a happier time, but there's no they're no longer happy. They're looking for a reason to do that. And you know, I've never been in an elders meeting where there was a big fight, mm-hmm. um, and the fight was about something significant, like the early church. You know, KPIs that you said, <laughs> you know, we're not feeding enough orphans. We need to feed more orphans right. or, you know, we're not we're not caring for en- enough widows or or there aren't enough people who are hearing the gospel. Right. And, and, and those aren't the things that we're getting fired up about. We're getting fired up because we were once happy and now we're not happy anymore. And we're trying to figure it out. You know, does that mean, you know, we need bigger buildings or we need better marketing or we need whatever. And so like it's causing so much things. And, and those are the things that pastors are losing sleep about. Yeah. You know, I can't remember the last time I was stressed out because of a homeless person on the street that I was trying to share the gospel with. But I can certainly remember the last time I was stressed out that there weren't enough people signing up for an event. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I can certainly remember that. Well, I think, you know, when, when we've lost joy in our ministry too like we'll often find ourselves like burying ourselves in the minutiae of our jobs or like the minutiae of our of our church ministries you know like all of a sudden it's really important that like the newsletter is formatted correctly Mm -hmm. let me ask you a question when you hear that verse what are your thoughts when you hear that like on its head it's it's a little frightening honestly right you know to read it again because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and lacking everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. Immediately, I think, and this is evident because we, the very first episode we did was about burnout and it involved mm-hmm. like a story of me ultimately leaving a church. I become immediately concerned with Am I the reason <laughs> that, uh, you know, my time out of ministry ended in, you know, unfor- un- unfortunate departure, right? Right. And like, and that's a scary thing. Like, if uh, if I'm examining, like, what is my level of joy? And that's a difficult thing sometimes to look back on too, especially when it's been a negative experience at the right. end. Um, but when I'm examining, like, what is my level of joy? And and I'm thinking like probably was not very high. Certainly was not very high. Uh, and, and I with especially that story, I know it was not very high. Right. Um, I think like okay, well then, to what degree was I? Am I at fault for what happened? And to what degree, theologically, maybe this is like a, a thing I have to wrestle through. And is God like removing me because? You know, is is that the situation that like, it's not just that like I'm making the decision to leave a ministry where things are not going well. Is the decision like God's to remove me because like this just isn't going to work, right? And like that's like like I mean that's like fear, right? And I and so John is probably going to speak against like knowing God's love and not having fear, but like it's immediately where like 
I get concerned. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's maybe like a natural place for a lot of ministers to be, which is to say like fearful that their actions are causing God's wrath in some way. Yeah. And I have to say that when you're going through all that, it does feel like an iron yoke around your neck, oh, yeah. you know? And I, and I, you know, and there, I mean, you've known me for a long time and, you know, we've been there for each other quite a bit. And I remember there are times where we were walking around uh, church because, you know, I like to walk around churches and pray where we would just like walk around whatever church I was working at at the time and, and just pray for that church and the burden of feeling so out of place in that moment. I think that there's a moment for all of us where we have to say where we have to recognize before we're burned out or before we we slip into that depression where we have to say, these are things that are stealing joy mm-hmm. in our ministry. You yeah. know? But also recognize when you pull out from just the pastor, churches that are dying are often churches that lack joy. Yes. And I think that that's, that that's significant too, because you know, in Deuteronomy, God is not just in this verse that we're studying or looking at, um, or that has caused all of this. You know, mm-hmm. God is not just talking to you know, the priest, but he's talking to the nation of Israel. Right. You know, post-Christ, that holy priesthood is now the church. Mm-hmm. And that way, that's applicable. When, when a church lacks joy, you know, could God, could we say to the church also, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart. Now your worship is like a yoke of iron around your neck. Yeah. It's not, you know, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah, and this is, yeah, this is funny because um, immediately when I started thinking about this, I think about my current situation. So I'm, uh, my wife and I are the music director for a, it's not quite a church plant, like a satellite plant with our current church. And, and one of the things that I have a conversation with the, the rector of that plant um, about frequently is, you know, we have to go, we meet in school, we set up everything every week and tear it down every week. And that requires like this, you know, sweat capital <laughs> every, yeah. every week. And he says to me, and I know that this is his concern. And I have worked in other churches that have like met in, you know, schools and things like that. And, and I know like the amount of effort that is required every week to make that happen. And he's like, I feel at times that I'm running a labor camp. <laughs> oh yeah. And he's like, I know it's a really efficient labor camp. I'm afraid that it's not a very joyful one. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And, uh, and you know, and, and that's like his genuine concern is that like he, he is afraid that and us trying to do this thing because it requires an extra amount of work just to have Sunday service that like that could be robbing people of, joy from from worship because they don't get to just like show up and do worship they have to like show up and set up chairs and put up partitions and uh, you know construct sound systems and what have you and then and then they do worship and so they're like they're from however tired they were from their week and however tired they were from just trying to get to church they're now you know added onto that a measure of tired from the work they have done to, to set the stage, right? Yeah. And so there are a lot of ways in which I think this is applicable beyond simply just, you know, I, ha- I, I work at an older church where everyone has become super crabby or, 
you know, or, or I'm I'm the the twelfth youth minister in eight years or whatever, <laughs> right? <laughs> like there's a, in eight years. <laughs> yeah, do the math on that. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, I think there are there are ways in which even even in a healthy church that is a growing church, there is like this opportunity for joyfulness and gladness to be stolen away. And we have to be like mindful of that because, you know, it, it can, you can take a growing church. that's like, like in our situation, it's like, Oh, we need to reach out to our community more. We should put the satellite service out in this growing area that we, you know, will hopefully be impacting. And then, you know, it affects like the, I want to say efficacy that's kind of redundant, but it, it reduces the efficacy of that because you, you know, the joy and the gladness of heart is missing when people can't like continually put in the right mindset, even though that's where it all started from. Yeah. Okay. So with these assumptions, one, we assume that God as pastors, that God wants us to serve him with joy. Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. So with that. That's assumption. Number one, I will agree to assumption. Number one, that God okay. wants us to serve with joy. Assumption. Number two. Okay. That all of these standards that we put on ourselves, the Dallas Willard quote, right? The models of success when we're not cultivating our, our spiritual life, KPIs uh, that are not spiritual per se, that creates a lack of joy. Those things begin, we, we become overwhelmed by those and those things can create a lack of joy. Yes. That's assumption number two. Assumption, they, they can become the thieves of joy. Yes. Assumption number three. Okay. When we lack joy, that is what allows us to begin to to have sin in our lives or sin in our churches where we can have uh, angry churches or we can have anger in our own hearts or or we start looking to alcohol or to pornography or to unrighteous thinking or we start treating people in our church badly. Or we start being lethargic in our work or, or procrastinating yeah. or, I mean, we won't have to make it like, so bombastic. Obviously, those things like very much happen in the church. We all have like, personal experiences with those, but yeah, um, but they can even start to creep up in smaller ways too. I mean, or, or even just like temptation starts to present itself, right? Even if we're not like taking those actions, like yeah, like maybe now I'm tempted to abuse like the budget I have, the church credit card. Yeah, or or we can just start doing church without God at all. Oh yeah. Like just set it to yeah. autopilot or think that just, like, I'm going to just accomplish this by like force of will. <laughs> yeah. We'll just be an organization and we'll not, we'll not be a church anymore. Now we're just a nonprofit, you know? Um, right. And that's because it's easier, right? Right. You know, just to, just to surrender that. Okay. So that's the third assumption. So the fourth assumption would be that if we're not serving the Lord in joy and all of these things are true, then it'll be the second part of that verse that we will serve our enemies. It will be an iron yoke around our neck. Like we pay the price of not doing that. So if all of those things are true, then that means that the joy of the Lord really is our strength and that we have to make an effort to cultivate joy. We have to, we have to make that a priority, cultivating joy in ourselves, cultivating joy in our ministries, cultivating joy in our church. So if all of that, all of that being true, how do we do that? Um, I'm going to make the easy joke here and say that we go to the seed store 
and we buy joy seeds. <laughs> joy seeds. Because <laughs> uh, of the spirit. Yeah. So we just grow those bad boys in our herb garden. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and just every morning you go out and you pluck you some and uh, chop it up in a salad. And yeah. <laughs> um, how do we cultivate joy in ministry? Honestly, you know, I find myself even thinking about like, cultivating joy in every aspect of our lives because like we're talking specifically ministry because this is a ministry focused podcast but like i mean think about like the this like has impact on joy and friendships or joys and marriages you know Mm -hmm. like those things are just as negatively impacted by a lack of joy as ministry Mm -hmm. um and maybe the outcome is different in some ways but in many ways the outcome is the same Right. So disaster. That, disaster. <laughs> that point being said, then, I think, uh, you know, the first thing is, and I'm cautiously going to say, like, uh, a, a devoted routine of, like, the intake of scripture. But I know that the whole reason we're having this conversation and that we got into this mess, the whole reason we got into this mess is because you read this gold darn scripture yeah. and, and, and has caused the consternation in your life. Yeah. So obviously that can't be the answer. Well, I think. Okay, so let's go back to your. <laughs> so, I mean, joy is a fruit of the spirit. Certainly, right? is. yes. So and that was and a thing. That was a yeah. good hint. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, and that I mean, that's for sure. Everybody can agree with that. Uh, it's in the Bible. It's, so if you don't agree with it, you're wrong. You're listening. Um, you're listening to the wrong podcast. And we all know that you can't fake fruit. Right. You, you have to do the work. Right. You have to in order for that to work. You, I mean, you obviously you have to cultivate a relationship with God. Right. In order to produce joy. So and I guess on a very surface level, it, it really is about cultivating a relationship with God. Yeah. You know, practicing spiritual disciplines, which Dallas yeah. Willard is all about, um, you know, so meditation, prayer, biblical study, biblical study accountability yeah I, th- I, th- I thought you were going to start throwing in some like you know other spiritual disciplines and just not make me list a whole bunch of them but you didn't yeah. you left me hanging there for a minute i did i wanted to see where you would go with that <laughs> <laughs> it was cultivating joy in me to watch you do that <laughs> so, so there you go it was a very so, very informative podcast yeah well i mean and i think i think like i said but i think all of that is very surface okay because i mean the ridiculous the ridiculous thing is Maybe not practical. That's not the word I wanted to say. Anyway, keep going. Well, if we're being honest, we know that those things can beat us down. True. And so it's important that we do those things. But motivation is always is always important. And so I think that I think that we have to take a step back. And as I've been thinking about this, we constantly have to be recognizing who God is in our lives as compared to who we are. Right. Mm-hmm. So, because there's there's something inside of us that is always pushing us towards self sufficiency uh, and self. Uh, um, how would I say that? Uh, that is always pushing us towards self sufficiency, self reliance, self reliance, um, self praise, mm-hmm. and self all of those things. And and I mean that that's something that we always have to work against. But I think about like David, who was constantly 
you know, who's, who's about to face Goliath. And so he's thinking about the things that God has already done in his life. There is a time when things get tough where we have to recognize and, and rejoice in the fact that God has already been our Savior and that he's already saved us from so many other things. Okay. So, I mean, is that like, I might be stepping on ahead of like your eventual. It, well, I don't, I mean, it, I don't it, have it, anywhere to go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so like, are you basically saying that like at times we just have to choose to be joyful? I think, yes. Yes. You have to force yourself to say, and not in a fake it or make it type thing, but you have to, you have to force yourself to say God is good and not, and, and I don't just make – I don't base that on the fact that I'm supposed to believe that because I'm a Christian. So I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to say things like God is good and all the time God is good. Mm-hmm. But but on the reality, the fact that God has actually proven himself to be good over and over again, not just in the Bible but in your very own life. Yeah. God is good in my life uh, because of all these things, because he saved me from this, because – you know, because of the, the, the salvation that I have in Christ, because I have this beautiful wife, because I have these amazing kids, because I get to uh, serve at a church or for whatever reason, mm-hmm. God is good. But we have to we have to learn to recognize that God is good, but also celebrate that fact. Yeah, we, that's that that's like the thing that we never that we never do. And so, you know, we look in the Bible and, you know, uh, this is like the point of feast days. Yeah, that's exactly it, Tim. That's exactly where I was going. It's just like God is constantly telling them to remember and to celebrate. Because that's the only way to keep them from being so grouchy all the time. Yeah. That's the only way to keep us from being, all of us from being grouchy. We don't, I don't think that as, as Christians we celebrate enough. You know, I'm going to agree to that. We, um, we did a thing for a while and we've fallen out of the practice of it. Uh, much to the, I think the detriment of all of our joy in our relationships. We had some friends that they, they had this conviction and they created a thing called champagne Fridays. The entire premise was everybody was getting older and kids were getting older and lives were getting busier. And so we just like, weren't getting together as often. And, and so what they wanted to do was just like every Friday, there was just going to be a get together. And if you could show up, you would show up. And if you couldn't, then that's okay. Cause there would be another Friday, but like, and, 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 and the, the thing, I think concept behind the champagne was just like, you always save champagne for like special occasions and like, right. instead let's use it for the mundane. Let's just like, you know, let's not like wait until there's an occasion to drink champagne. Like let's, let's make our every week worthy of champagne. And it was this really fun get together that like, you know, most Fridays out of the month, we would just like get together and eat finger foods and like just chat and drink champagne or juice or what have you, according to your convictions. But you know, that was such a good time and we talk about it still. And I, I say to my wife, like, uh, we should, we should do this. Like, why are, why, I know everyone's gotten busy again and we stopped doing this. We should get this going again because it does. It reminds you to like be joyful and to have joy in your life and to celebrate the things you do have in your life that are so good. I think Absolutely. That's, that's like the power of feast days, I guess, in, in, in practice. I'm trying to like cross the, the, the gap from Old Testament feast days to like 2017. Yeah. Well, I mean, one one thing that we do is supposed to be a celebration is 
you know, God, you know, we still tithe. That's still practice that we have in the Christian church. But, you know, tithing is supposed to be a celebration of God's goodness. As a matter of fact, there's a verse in the Bible that says that if you are not in a position to where you can go to your synagogue uh, or your temple and tithe, that you should take the money, right, and you should use it to throw a party in the presence of God with hmm. your friends, you know? That's and, really uh, interesting. We, we can look that scripture up and put it in the show notes. I'm not making this up, but but that's what it was supposed to be. Like, your first fruits, it wasn't, it wasn't even a discipline. It was a celebration, you know? It, it was supposed to be... And that was that was what worship was. You know, it's funny because you know, I'm, I'm, as you start talking about that, I start thinking about how um, so many of the things that were supposed to be celebrations have become burdensome or or tiresome. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. tithing like feels burdensome to a lot of people, but I also think about like think about like Easter and Christmas times where. Um, in the religious calendar, like we're going to be celebrating this thing. Yet if you are, you know, a minister or really involved in the goings on of, of a church, those times are so stressful. And yeah. so like we, we like lose like the joy of the, of the liturgical calendar of the religious calendar. I should say we lose the joy of the religious calendar because we've like, there's so much to do at those times of year. So much work. Yeah. Oh, and it's gotten so bad that, that now, um, you know, pastors are even like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna catch hell for this. You know, I recognize that, uh, that for having just said that I was going to, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's so bad that, um, it's just like, we just want to pack them into the church. If, if Christmas falls on a Wednesday or a Sunday, then we're not having church at all. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, because it's just, it's just too much work. And I just want to be with my family and blah, blah, cause it's not fun anymore. It's not rejoicing anymore. It's just work. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that's where we are. I mean, that's, that's where we are. We, we, we're not celebrating enough, but so, you know, cultivating our relationship with God, celebrating, yeah, we celebrate things that are individual, but we have to learn to celebrate as a church. That yeah, you know, that's what I'm thinking. And it's funny that you mention the Christmas thing because I mean that's the, that's the thing that like really like sticks in my crawl anyway too. So if you're going to write rocky angry emails about Christmas Sundays not having church, you can write me angry emails too. Um, Info at productiveministry.org. There you go. <laughs> it'll, it'll come to both of us. The you know I'm always like it's a it's a it's we should have church on Christmas Day even if it's Sunday let's like let's do it I'm sitting there thinking like man we really do think oh people should just be home with their families or there's a portion of people who think oh they should just be home with their families on Christmas and I'm thinking what if you what if it was like really fun like and people wanted to be there like what's the thing that we have to like do to make our religious service on a religious holiday like what are those things like maybe church should be fun where people want to go. Again, and I say that going like I go. We go to a liturgical service. The liturgy is like very standard, and and in our service. But I'm still thinking like this is like this joy thing is really important. And what would happen if churches celebrated more or or thought about more ways to celebrate in their community? And then they, if we're constant, if it's part of if celebration is part of our culture, then we're never having to think back to just the good old days. 
mm-hmm. uh, because there's always something new to celebrate. Right. You know, there's always something that God is doing, that God is cultivating in, in the lives of our people, uh, in the lives of our church, in the lives of our community that is worthy of worship, that is worthy of celebration, that is worthy of recognition, mm-hmm. that is worthy of champagne. Yeah, we need to get some champagne Sundays happening. <laughs> I don't. Well, okay. <laughs> or some, if you're in Apple one of cider. Yeah, <laughs> a Martinelli Sunday. See? Yeah. Anyway, that's what I got, Tim. I just, that's, I mean, it's, this is just stuff that's, that's just been weighing on my mind. You know, thanks for letting me talk about it. Well, you know, I feel like this is a good conversation. And and again, I, I told the story of I, we're doing this, the church I'm, I'm currently working at, and we're trying to do this thing. And, like, it, it's a genuine concern. And it's like it's not even an unhealthy church situation. It's just a, like, making sure that, that people don't get too beat down, that, like, their their worship is stolen away from them. And yeah. and so I think that, that there's a huge cross-section of ministers and a huge cross-section of volunteers and maybe even just like people who are in their lives at their own work, who are thinking through how unhappy or happy they are with their jobs. Like this is an extremely important thing. And I think that when we, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this back and say that in our, in our individual spiritual lives, I know that there, I know for a fact because I've had conversations with people in the last like two weeks specifically on this, that there are people who are struggling to find joy in the church they go to worship at. Mm-hmm. Right. And there, and I think that this is, this is really, really important for us to get a grip on as individuals and as churches, as, as ministry leaders, like it's important for us to, to figure out how do we inject joy into our congregations? How do we teach people to find joy in their individual spiritual lives? And then as individuals, it's really important for us to not wait for our ministry leaders to figure it out. Right. Because because that's the hard thing is that this is what creates churn in churches. This is why people leave their jobs. This is why people leave their churches is everyone is seeking for like, where can I find joy? And the reality is, is that joy is in the Lord. And, right. and I mean that and that's at the end of the day, I think that this whole conversation has just brought us to that point to say that this is it is that if you do not have joy in your life, in your spiritual life and in your church, like there will be negative impacts of that. And the only wellspring of joy that truly exists is from the Lord. And the only way to cultivate that is through, you know, a relationship with him and and the like Amen. persistent choice to pursue joy. Amen. So there you go. I appreciate you um, running me through a very stressful, I think it was like a week, maybe two. It felt like a month. <laughs> it felt like a year. year <laughs> of yeah. wrestling through this myself. Um, because I, this is, I think joy is an incredibly important topic. Absolutely. Well, I, let's keep the conversation going. So if you are listening to this podcast right now, why don't you tell us ways that you cultivate joy in your personal life? in your families, in your churches, in your community, uh, over at ProductiveMinistry.org or at our Facebook page, Facebook slash ProductiveMinistry.org. I mean, we'd love to hear from you. If you comment, we'll even comment back. If you're a Twitter user and you want to tweet at us, our user is at ProdMinistry. That's P-R-O-D Ministry. So feel free to shoot us a tweet as well. I monitor that. Rocky monitors that. We'll be active on the on the Facebook. And I, I mean, I'd love to have conversations with people.
people about this. And you know, honestly, like this would be a cool thing for us to maybe get some ideas going. Absolutely. That's what I got. Thanks, guys. Well, want to thank uh, Tim Jenkins, who produces this podcast. Productive Ministry <laughs> is a... <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Productive Ministry is a production of Rumble Media LLC. You can engage with us at Facebook at facebook.com slash productive ministry.org. We are on Twitter at Prod Ministry. Our website is productive ministry.org. And as always, hope you have a productive week. Bye.